0: Hey everybody, this is Joe Chavarria and you are listening to the Credit Agents Podcast. If you've gotten value out of these episodes, please, please, please rate this podcast and share with other people you think it'll help. Thanks for listening. The House of Representatives passing the Protect Your Credit Score Act or Protect Your Score Act. Um, So right now that passed the House, we'll talk about that. Uh, The Supreme Court and their opinion on the constitutional structure of the CFPB which is the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Uh, They've been getting uh, a lot of heat lately and so we'll talk about uh, what the the Supreme Court says or what the Supreme Court thinks about that. And uh, of course FICO plans to launch a new rating system to account for uh, for risk due to the pandemic. Um, So we'll talk about that. So first let's dive into the House passes a new bill. Uh, The bill is called HR 5332 um, which is Protecting Your Credit Score Act. Um, so it was introduced on in, uh, December sixth of two thousand nineteen um, from the New Jersey uh, representative uh, Josh uh, Gossmeyer, I believe I pronounced his name correct. Um, the bill basically what it what it plans to do: uh, number one, allow consumers to receive their credit score when they request their free annual credit report. So right now, uh, the way because of the pandemic, the one of the recent bills that was passed. Um, would allow consumers to get access to their annual credit report weekly. Used to be annually, hence the name annualcreditreport.com and they moved it to a weekly uh, review. Now this bill not only wants to allow the report um, for free but also wants to allow a credit score to come in um, as part of that um, for free. Um, Also this bill would require the credit reporting agencies, uh, Experian, Equifax, TransUnion, many of those guys, um, to create an online portal where consumers can dispute errors, place or lift security freezes, and access their free credit reports and scores whenever they want. Uh, this bill also require that the CFPB to establish a public registry of credit, uh, credit reporting agencies. Um, and this bill will require CRAs to provide information to consumers about why their credit was pulled by somebody and this bill will grant the CAPB statutory authority to supervise credit reporting agencies. It'll grant the CPB to establish and appoint credit reporting agencies um, officials appointed to investigate individual complaints against maladministration for the CRAs. Uh, this bill will grant the CPB, notice there's a lot of granting the CPB here, grants the CPB power to mandate uh, the CRAs to establish data security requirements uh, this bill will require that there be a established government accountability office to conduct feasible reports, uh, feasibility reports to CRA of CRAs using some other kind of ID number instead of a social security number. So what they're trying to do is trying to test: Hey, what would this look like if we got rid of the social security number um, identification or use this for identification purposes? If we made a you know a new ID number that's not uh, the social security number, uh, so they want to see what that would look like, uh, do some research on on that. Um, and this bill will also grant the court power to award injunctive, re- injunctive relief to compel CRAs to uh, complete the, complete with, uh, with credit reporting um, protections. So, you know, here's, here's my perspective on this bill. Um, so, so, for one, for this bill to require free scores given to consumers, um, it's kind of been going on to some degree. I mean, I think the government here is a day late, and a dollar short on trying to get this enforced. Um, services like Credit Karma. Uh, many of these uh, consumer reporting agencies, like Experian, already offer a free score. Experian offers a free FICO 8 score. I don't think TransUnion offers anything at this point. If they do, it's probably Vantage and Equifax. You know, maybe the same thing there. Um, and then you have you know competitors in the space like Credit Karma, Credit uh, What is it, Quizzle, and Credit Sesame. Um, they're providing free scores direct to the consumer. You know already. Um, so I don't really know. You know. What they're trying to enforce here, obviously if you enforce somebody to do something, they're not going to give you their best. They're going to probably just, you know, throw out the into scores for free. But again, it's kind of already been given, um, but I guess they're wanting to incorporate that with the annual credit reports. So you get the report from annualreport.com and that to include, you know, some type of, some type of score. I don't really like that because it's going to, you know, just further going to cause, you know, confusion. Um, you know, I got this score, You, know, I'm great, I'm ready for a mortgage. Well, okay, let's talk about that. So, you know, I, I don't, um, again, you know, I think that there's a level of education that's missing. I'd like to see some more education type services in this bill, but, um, you know, there's nothing like that in this bill at this point. Again, this is just uh, past the house, the Senate's going to be reviewing it. Maybe they're going to want to make some amendments to it, some tweaks to it, we'll see what happens. Um, So the free score part of it, or the online portal part of it, um, most CRAs also already have this as well. You can set up an account with Experian. You can set up an account with Equifax. You can set up an account with TransUnion, and you can dispute certain accounts online to a certain degree. So they kind of have an online portal where where you can do that. You can do that on Credit Karma, you know, as well. Is it the most effective dispute? Absolutely not. Um, But it's there for the consumers. And so, you know, now they're requiring this online portal which I I don't really know what that would look like, considering that the CRAs kind of already have something like that. Um, Public registry of CRAs. So this is an interesting one. I don't understand why they would want a public registry um, of consumer reporting agencies. I think what would be more helpful would be a registry of debt collectors, um, because as we witness in our business, we have clients that quite a bit, like, Hey, I get this call from this number. They said they're going to come and sue me or they're going to take me to jail. Is this legit? You know first thing our, our radar goes off It's like yeah that's probably a scam but something to where a consumer can search online plug in a phone number or plug in a name or something and it'll tell you is that a legit debt collector or not um that'd be that i think that'd be a good uh a good a good policy to have in this bill but uh, i don't really see the, uh, the 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 reasoning behind a registry for for cras but uh you know maybe that would be clarified um, as we as we go forward, but I would have loved to see some kind of registry for for uh, for debt collectors, or you know something needs to be done about these scam artists that are just calling people pretending to be the IRS, pretending to be a debt collector. Uh, my one of my my sister-in-law, who gets you know has been asking me to to investigate this this uh, this company that's calling about a T-Mobile debt, and she gives me the number, and she said, yeah, they said they're a Synchrony Bank, and they're calling about a T-Mobile debt. I'm like, Synchrony Bank calling about a T-Mobile debt? Like Synchrony banks at a creditor like they're not even the debt collector space um and you put the number in and of course it just goes to synchrony bank but you know the way that she's describing how the call goes and the, you know the, the attitude of the individual calling her and the threats that they're making clearly it's a scam it'd be great to see some sort of education on what's a legit debt collector and what's not um, but of course this bill does not have anything like that um purpose behind pulling the credit report uh you kind of already they already uh, have that uh coding which just tells you um the specific reason or the industry code associated with that credit pool so i don't really know how much more detail they can get with that i'd be interested to see how that plays out um the CPPB getting all this authority to supervise of course i'm against that i hate that um, I, I hate how the CFPB already has a lot of power they're going crazy and so they give them more power i obviously just don't like that part in general even though it's going geared towards credit reporting agencies Anytime there's any kind of uh, you know entity like that applying force, uh, you know, if someone's going to get hurt, and it's typically going to be the consumer that's going to pay for it in the end. So I don't, I don't really like that, that policy. And the ID, ID, uh, the, the ID number instead of the social. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens with that. That's that, that, that's pretty interesting. Um, you know, I'm curious to see how how that research will will turn out. So. Um, so right now again, the House, the bill has passed the House. It really wasn't unanimous. It was, pretty, it was a pretty close uh, vote. I think it was like 273 votes uh, against like 193. So it really wasn't a, a landslide on this thing. So there definitely was some pushback on the House. Um, you know, We'll see how this goes in the Senate. Um, I don't know, this could be interesting. I think that this has some issues with it um, that you know, make it unfeasible to a certain degree. So this, this may or may not pass the Senate um, or there may be quite a bit of amendment. So uh, this is on the horizon. We'll see if this goes anywhere. Um, you know, right now, that's where it's added to the Senate for, for review. Uh, so moving on, so uh, the Supreme Court uh, and their decision to uh, just basically the constitutional or the structure of the CBB, whether it's constitutional or not. So a little backstory on this, um, you know, there's a law that was created um, for the CFPB, that basically, and you know, kind of created the CFPB back in 2008 with the Dodd Frank Act, and uh, you know, the whole mortgage meltdown. That's kind of where the CFPB originated from. Um, and uh, there's always been basically a single director uh, structure under the CFPB. And recently, in 2008, uh, President Trump put Kathy Craninger uh, in there. She's going to serve a five-year term. That happened in 2018, rather. And so it's always been this one single director. Uh, one single director for, for the CPB. And uh, so what, what kind of brought this to, 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 to court, what, this, what brought to this in Supreme Court is there's a case between Sela uh, Law, which is a um, I think a, a, debt, uh, a debt law firm um, that represents consumers in, in, in debt lawsuits in California. And um, the, the, the CPB basically issued a CID um which is uh you know a civil investigation demand notice you know they want to see a bunch of documents from from CELA law because they believe they're not operating ethically um CELA law said we're not going to comply because the CAPB shouldn't exist in the first place they're you know they're not legit they're unconstitutional they should not be here in the first place so that's kind of where the lawsuit went back and forth went up the chain of command uh and end up in the supreme court and so what the supreme court um what uh what would end up happening with that is currently the way that the way that the law reads on the single member um, single leader um, CFPB director is that it's they're only removable for inefficiency neglect or malfeasance uh, which means wrongdoing um, so those are the only reasons why a CAPB director can be removed um, so for those reasons alone and so on, on June 29th so um, last week, uh, the Supreme Court vacated and remanded this in a 5-4 decision, which led, which led by Chief Justice Roberts, pretty split down the middle. Um, basically, he and a few other judges, uh, like Kavanaugh and Thomas, agreed that they did agree that the CPB structure is unconstitutional. So they, they all, you know, half of the Supreme Court agreed on that. Um, however, Roberts is going to allow the CPB to continue to operate until a better case can be presented. Um you did make a little tweak though to I guess to the way the law reads on or on the CPB structure is uh, is basically allowing the CPB director to be removable for for any reason um, under the you know by the president so kind of getting rid of that neglect, uh, the negligence part of it or you know malpractice part of it um, now removable for any reason. Um, but I mean they've already kind of had the opinion that well the structure of the CPB is unconstitutional but um basically i guess this case is not the time and the place um this does need to be reviewed and it's basically going to put congress kind of kind of back to the drawing board to kind of figure out what to do about the cbb so i really don't know what to make about this um i don't like the fact that they witness you know an an unconstitutional entity you know right in front of them and all they do is just tweak it to where okay well the president could move for any reason um you know instead of kind of doing what you right and say okay let's look at this a little bit further and which they are going to do it but right then and there it's right in front of them um and so the way that uh, this was set up see law still pretty much has to comply um to the cid um unless they just want to continue fighting it which i don't know if they're going to be able to so i don't really know what this is going to do to the capb i don't know if it's going to empower them i don't know if it's going to to put them at halt um don't really know um and i don't know how this is going to you know uh, work out with the Nebraskan representative I forget her name but there's a a, a senator from Nebraska who has a, a bill in motion that she wants a CPB to be the single member to be struck down and converted to a five uh, like five member board and have the board members be people from like the industry or people who really understand the industry uh, better than just you know government entities or lawyers who really don't know anything about what's really going on out there. Um, so I think that's a good proposal. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, I'll put the link to this case um, in there, but uh, you know that's kind of what's going on with the CBB, Um, and I don't really know if this is going to empower them or slow them down. I think that they'll probably just continue uh, the way they have been until something changes. Um, so so that's that. And last but not least, we'll talk about um, FICO plans to launch a new rating system to account for for risk due to a pandemic. Um, so FICO is calling this new, uh, this new system, this new score model, they're calling it the resilience risk, or resilience index rather. And what it'll do is it'll rate how well a consumer is likely to bounce back from an economic downturn. Um, so, you know, rest assured right now with everything that's going on, there's a lot of data being gathered right now because of the COVID-19 pandemic. So everything that's going on from a credit perspective, there's a, there's a lot of data right now that's being gathered to help come up, come up with this index um and so fico says that the resilient index will help lenders avoid restricting credit when borrowers are actually good credit risk but i like how they play this in the article they're like you know well fico thinks it's a good thing because you know there's going to be people that we're missing and what about the people that that are good risk and you know this is why we're doing it just tell the truth i would appreciate me Say, well we don't really know how you know we think these scores are, 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 are you know are, are, are not you know not accurate according to the pandemic we don't really know what's going on We have all these deferments uh we have all of these uh you know payments that are being deferred it's hard to really engage if there's uh, these consumers are good risk or not and so they play it to well oh, no this is good for the people that are not scoreable this is good for the people that would be good credit risk um i'd, I'd appreciate that just be you know upfront with that but uh, you know basically um you know what it what it looks like is what'll happen is lenders are going to use your 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 normal score so let's say it's a mortgage lender they'll have your mortgage score and they'll eventually at some point some time once this comes out they'll have access to what's called the resilience index so it'll be your score plus the resilience index so this index range is going to be 1 to 99 so that's going to be the range so you have your fico score which is 300 to 850 right so you still have that and you're going to have the resilience index which is 1 to 99. And so what that means is 1 to 44, which means that basically lower that resilience index is, the stronger you are to recover from, from an economic downturn. Downturn. So one to 44 means you're very strongly equipped to handle an economic downturn. Uh, 45 to 59 is kind of like a coin flip. It's kind of like an average, you know, you know maybe so, maybe not like it's like a C minus kind of range. Um, 60 to 69 is considered sensitive risk. Uh, kind of like a d i guess and then 70 to 99 is considered very uh sensitive risk, kind of like an f an f grade right um and so you know i think that um i think in a way this could be a good thing because one thing we did notice with this pandemic for certain people that they didn't lose their jobs had good credit but they had a lot of available credit saw a lot of banks just cut credit limits left and right you know because they're just like well we don't know if this person's going to use it or not, and not pay, and we don't want to leave ourselves open like that. So they've just been closing a lot of credit limits or reducing a lot of credit limits um, because they just they just flat out don't want that risk out there. They don't want that available credit out there, uh, exposed to that type of risk. So I think this kind of model would help in that regard. Uh, you know, maybe we'll see. But if it's used for that reason, I think that's a that's a good. Um, that's a good you know, reason to use these, you know, the resilience index is to say instead of, a, you know, blindly closing out these accounts or blindly reducing credit limit, if you have a consumer in here who has a very strong resilience index, then why would you close out the credit limit? Why would you, why would you reduce their limit? You know, they're, they're, they're a strong individual. They usually bounce back or they, they navigate through the waters very, very well. Um, so really interesting to see how that plays, uh, plays out. Um, as of today, it's not available, but that's the plan to build that out. Um, so it'll, you know, be available probably next two or three years, um, or sooner we'll see, but, uh, you know, we'll, I guess we'll kind of see how that plays out when it comes out. Hey guys, just want to say thank you so much for listening to the credit agents podcast. If you received any value of any of these episodes, please, 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 por favor rate this podcast and share it with other people you'll think it'll benefit again. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of cup of Joe. I'll see you on the next one, guys. Oh, 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 oh,